0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a Jet with your host,
2: Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flag. Gibson inside the 30, hits the Jets, and he's gonna go! Just win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson! Game over! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, Allen. Tripped up! He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall! He's done it again! Brees lightning! 62 yards for the touchdown! And he's sacked again by Quentin Wood! What a beast number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is
3: Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like Jet1. And it's time to get to Know Your Foe, Miami Dolphins Edition here on this Thanksgiving day. And I'm very thankful on Thanksgiving to have my old buddy Alf Artiaga of the three yards per carry podcast to talk about the Dolphins on this Know Your Foe Thanksgiving Day edition heading into the Jets matchup with the Dolphins at MetLife Stadium on Black Friday. Alf, thanks so much for coming back on the show, brother.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on.
3: Alf, this has been a really weird year because I feel like at the beginning of the season, everybody thought the AFC East was going to be a juggernaut. The Jets, the Dolphins, the Bills, they were going to be in this big three-way battle for the division. And now if the Dolphins are able to beat the Jets tomorrow, At MetLife Stadium on Black Friday They will pull away from the Bills And the Jets Forget the Jets Because if the Jets lose this game Their playoff hopes go to like 0.6% I believe is what ESPN said So they wouldn't even be a factor in this they'd still have a pretty good distance between themselves and the Bills with a chance to win the rubber match in Miami and build even more distance. Let's talk about the Dolphins' season so far, and I want to begin with the head coach, Mike McDaniel. He's gotten a lot of praise in a lot of circles. It's been strange, though, because for as good as this offense has been against the better teams—and you've heard this criticism, Alf— it hasn't been as easy for them. But tell me a little bit about Mike McDaniel and everything that he cooks up in that lab and all the little madman things that he's become known for.
1: Yeah, he's been absolutely spectacular and as advertised. Um, when they brought him in, and, and we kind of liked him on our podcast uh, because they tried to bring him in a year earlier, but the 49ers denied our request to try to interview him for the OC job under Brian Flores. Then we saw what happened, Brian Flores' last year here. It was nine and eight, but it was the most tumultuous nine and eight that you can possibly have uh, on a football team. When they interviewed him, it was obvious that that was the guy that they wanted to hire right away. And he came in with promises about uh, having a great offense, having a great running game. And man, he's delivered. Even while missing two of her five games, the offense was sixth overall. And then this year, it's number one and it has the number two-ranked running game uh, with Mostert and the rookie that he pushed for in Devon Achan, And, you know, he's he's built up a lot of goodwill. Uh, everything he's promised has come to fruition. Uh, he's promised that, that Tua was going to be a very, very good quarterback here, possibly elite. And his actual words were being elite is up to Tua, but I know he's going to be a good quarterback in this system. And sure enough, everything that he's promised has come to fruition playoffs the first year. And then the second year, it's really looking like they're going to run away with this division uh, as long as they could just keep beating like everybody in the NFL. keeps saying oh, all they do is beat the cupcakes. Cool. OK, if they could just beat the cupcakes the rest of the rest of <laughs> this month, they could clinch the division with a month to spare because the Bills do not play cupcakes. They got the Eagles. They got the Chiefs. They got the Cowboys. So, yeah, uh, We've heard the criticism, and i've all, I've always said it, and you never beat anybody good until you do and it's it's you know the history is rife with, with, with teams that haven't beaten very very good teams uh, and you can look inside of the AFC as well just look at Kansas City they beat us we're the good team that they've beaten. You know, you look at the Eagles like who were, you know, they, now they beat Kansas City. But the other good before then, the good teams that they had beaten were us and the and the Cowboys. So it's just two. And, and of course, the Bills, the only good team that they've beaten is Miami. So, you know, uh, they've heard the criticisms. They have opportunities to to quell those criticisms. But in the meantime, putting away the AFC East is their top priority
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Alf, let's go a little
3: bit more in depth on the offense. Everybody knows what's going on with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Tua, remarkably, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, has not only been really good this year, but also stayed healthy, which nobody thought was going to be the case. Talk to me about what you've seen from this 2023 Miami Dolphins offense, the brainchild, of course, of Mike McDaniel.
1: Yeah, and it starts with Tua. Uh, Everybody's making fun of those jujitsu classes. Well, you know, there's been plenty of evidence where he's been absolutely blasted and he's turtled up and rolled out of those hits. It also helps that he's gained weight and he's playing at his heaviest weight, uh, which is the weight that he was at as a sophomore at Alabama, which is nearly 230 pounds. So he's playing around 227. He bulked up. Uh, he took the jiu-jitsu classes. All the quarterbacks actually take the jiu-jitsu classes, and their their reasoning for doing it uh, was a great. I, was great, really. Mike McDaniel said that quarterbacks never get hit the entire offseason. They're wearing a red jersey. They never have any contact. So they built into their schedule uh, a weekly class where they actually do get plenty of contact, and that's helped to keep uh, Tua especially healthy. As far as the rest of the offense, the offensive line has just been spectacular. Um, Kendall Lamb was a godsend. Uh, We knew Teron Armstead was going to miss games. He's only played three games this season. But all the others, uh, they still managed to win and managed to – to operate at a high level, and it's mainly due to the chief backup on on at the ta- at tackle at the tackle position in Kendall Lamb, who's been absolutely spectacular. Austin Jackson was a guy who had the bust label put on him, probably prematurely. Now he's a 24 year old who's about to get paid. Um, I know a lot of people don't subscribe to PFF, but PFF has him ranked as the the fifth best tackle as a free agent. They're gonna have to pay him. And Robert Hunt is an All Pro. So their offensive line has been really, really good this year, even though they've been taking injuries all throughout. So their depth has kept them afloat. And, of course, their balance on offense. Of course, it's Tyreek Hill. Waddle's not having a great season, but uh, you have to give something up. Uh, And I was asked a lot of fantasy questions before the season last year, and I said, look, take both wide receivers because the entire offense is built around two of throwing to Waddle and Tyreek Hill. This year I said, you know what, slow down a little bit on the Waddle thing because they've made an emphasis all offseason to building up and uh, imposing this running game. And somebody has to has to suffer for it, and it's not going to be Tyreek Hill. And sure enough, the, the guy who's actually suffered is the number two wide receiver in Jalen Waddle. But the offensive line and the running game has absolutely taken off. And it's just been a shame that Devon Achan only got to play one one snap in his return. But he is practicing this week, so you might be able to see him on Black Friday. He's absolutely electric. And you don't have to take my word for it. Just look at his stats. He averages 13 yards a carry. <laughs> okay. Uh when he when he plays games, he's averaging 175 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So yes, uh, you know, it's been kind of smooth sailing, but they've they've hit kind of a rough patch here. And I don't think that you're going to see fireworks on Friday. You kind of want to see them operate at a steady and efficient level and absolutely cut out all these turnovers. They've had too many the last few weeks.
3: Alf, before we get to the defense, I want to talk a little bit more about what you just hit on with the turnovers and then also what we need to know injury-wise anybody going to be missing you just said devon a chain is returning which is good news for the dolphins bad news for the jets what else do we need to know about who's going to be returning and who's not going to be playing and also with the turnovers talk a little bit more about how that's been a weakness for them the last couple of weeks and what you think the jets might be able to do to exploit it
1: yeah to as far as who's in and or in or out uh if devon a can go then he'll be RB2 behind Raheem Mostert, and they'll activate probably Jeff Wilson. If he can't go, Jeff Wilson will be the RB2, and I think they'll elevate Darrington Evans from the practice squad. So that's one to monitor going into Friday. We'll learn more tomorrow uh, going into the game. Um, On the offensive line, Robert Hunt is 50-50 to return. Uh, He's been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Like I said before, he's absolutely an all-pro. He's going to get paid in the offseason one of the better guards in football. Uh, if he can't go, Liam Eichenberg will play in his stead and Lester Cotton will play at left guard. As of right now, it looks like he will be healthy enough to play. Those are the injuries on on, on offense. Chase Claypool is dealing with a knee. Uh, he had a knee procedure a couple of weeks ago, so he's 50-50 to return for this game as well. Derm Smythe is the other injury to monitor, which is our starting tight end. Um, he returned to practice today which is a great sign, so did Robert Jones, which is a guy that they wanted to start at left guard, so they might be getting some healthy options at guard and healthy options at tight end for Friday.
3: Alf, let's talk about the Dolphins' defense now. Vic Fangio came in. I'm a big fan of Fangio's work. I think he's one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, and I know that things got off to a bit of a rough start for the Dolphins, but they've been settling in and playing much better lately, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. And uh, my partner on the podcast, Chris Kaufman, uh, had a tweet, which is instructive. If you look at the way that this team is built, uh, the money spent on offense is really spent on a wide receiver and a left tackle. That's it. They have cheap running backs. They have a third round pick and Devon A. Chan. Most are making three million dollars a year. Um, The rest of the offensive line is on rookie contracts. So, you know, who's making any money? It's all on the defense. All the high-priced talent is on defense. They have two $20 million cornerbacks in Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Uh, they have a $100 million edge player in Bradley Chubb who's had a monster season. Uh, his streak was actually broken against the Raiders. He had a streak of four consecutive games with a forced fumble. Uh, so that got broken, but he did get a sack. So he kept that streak going Uh The talent is on defense. The money spent is on defense. So it stands to reason that they were supposed to be the more dominant unit this year. They got off to a bad start against the the Chargers. They gave up 234 yards rushing. But since then, they've given up an average of 84 yards rushing. They're creeping into the top 10 in almost every single category. And this defense has become completely healthy for the first time in essentially two years. Uh, this past week And you kind of saw the results They were pretty good And they carried this team against the Raiders And truth be told They carried them against the the, the Chiefs too uh, They only allowed two touchdowns against the Chiefs Remember that Tyreek Hill's fumble Got returned for a touchdown And that was, that was Kansas City's 21 points But they shut out the Chiefs in the second half So they've been very, very good The last two weeks And as designed Vic Fangio said it would take a little bit of time And I guess he was right Uh, That's been the more dominant unit the last two weeks.
3: Alf, can you get into the weeds a little bit more on what Vic Fangio is doing? Because much like McDaniel on offense, he's known for being a bit of a madman with the way he deploys his players and schemes around different talent. What's he been doing to help elevate this defense? Obviously, as you said, some guys have gotten healthy. That's been huge. But even if you look at the pass rush, you mentioned Bradley Chubb. Look at Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, Christian Wilkins, Zach Siler. These are all guys that have double-digit quarterback hits. So what he's doing is working. Tell us a little bit more about what he's actually doing.
1: A lot of light boxes. You can see a lot of cover six. Uh, I don't know what they're going to employ against Tim Boyle. Uh, they do not blitz nearly uh, as much as i would like them to blitz because uh i tend to trust the the secondary in man so i would like to see some pressure five stuff which is stuff that he did in denver uh he hasn't done it he just hasn't done it as much he did a ton of it against mac jones but uh that uh, i guess that was more of a lack of respect for mac jones than anything else against the chiefs he just didn't employ too much of it and it actually worked out so you know who who am i to argue it's a lot of light boxes they trust the d- the two defensive tackles in Zach and Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins to play the run on the way to the quarterback and David Long has been an absolute find as far as a free agency a free agent signing uh, he's a great Phil linebacker Jerome Baker has been really good as a scrape and those edge players have been awesome against the run in Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb so they're playing the run with essentially a five-man box. And it's been successful. Josh Jacobs had, I believe, 34 yards rushing in that game. So, you know, they're going to employ a lot of numbers in coverage, and they're going to trust to the field side, whoever the cornerback is on that side uh, in man coverage, either Xavier Howard or Jalen Ramsey. They do not travel too much. So Garrett Wilson will get to pick his matchups on the perimeter. Uh, but in the slot, uh, they've been very, very strong with, with Keter Kohu. But yeah, you're going to see a, a ton of cover 6 You're going to see a bunch of short zones. And you're going to see Javon Holland essentially roam all over the place. Um, I don't know though if they'll devote more numbers to stopping Brees Hall. It, was st- it stands to reason that this is Tim Boyle. It's not Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, no matter what anybody may think about him, he can threaten you deep with his arm. So... Maybe they devote more numbers to the box to stop Brees Hall, but as far as you know, what's been their staple, it's been that, that cover six, uh, five-man box, light boxes, playing the run with their defensive tackles, and those two linebackers pretty much playing out of their mind this year.
3: Alf, how do you expect Fangio to go about attacking the Jets' offense, and how do you expect McDaniel to go about trying to beat this Jets' defense that has been overall very impressive, although... The game against Dallas, they showed some warts, and then we saw them again against the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday. What do you think the strategy is going to be from both ends of the ball here for the Dolphins?
1: Well, on defense, they've shown, although they showed a, a, a healthy amount of respect for Aiden O'Connell this past week, uh, I thought he played okay. I understand he threw three interceptions against the Dolphins, so that's not going to look good. But he did make some, some throws, and he is capable, and they do have a lot of talent on the outside. So... Vic Fangio has shown, I wouldn't call it a disdain, but a lack of respect for some quarterbacks this year and has sent a little bit more more blitzes their way. So maybe I expect something similar to that. I expect more numbers in the box to stop uh, Brees Hall. So they might play a little bit out of character on defense just because it is Tim Boyle uh, at quarterback. On offense, I would expect this 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 team to finally get back to what has been successful against teams that have, really good linebacking corps, especially like what the Jets have. You got to occupy those guys on flare routes and on flat routes with your running backs. And I would expect them to employ those running backs to throw in in the passing game. You got Im- to involve them in the passing game because if you involve your running backs in the passing game, it's going to occupy those linebackers, C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, and it's going to open up spaces behind them for Waddle and Hill to operate against sauce and Reed, so i would expect the running backs to get a healthy dose in the passing game and i think that would soften up the the jets a little bit because that's what the teams that have had success against the jets passing the ball have done uh they've made those linebackers busy if they're not busy they can play in condensed areas and if those linebackers are playing in condensed areas, then the Jets' defense becomes the Jets' defense, and they're really, really tough to beat.
3: Alf, you don't have to give me an exact score, but give me a prediction. How do you think this is going to turn out? Do you think it's going to be a blowout? Do you think it's going to be close? Who do you think is going to win? Unpack it all for me.
1: I already made my prediction this morning uh, on my podcast. I believe the Dolphins will score a defensive touchdown, but the Dolphins' uh, doldrums on their... Offense will continue because I really do respect this Jets defense. I think it's really good. So maybe the Dolphin offense scores two touchdowns and they get a couple of field goals. They're at 20. But I think a late defensive touchdown gets in the 27 and that's probably too much for the Jets to overcome. So I I made a prediction of 27 to nine. Uh, I really do believe that this defense Dolphin defense is playing as well as they have in the last, I don't know, four years, maybe. They're kind of on fire, and they're completely healthy, which is a bad recipe for Tim Boyle, in my opinion.
3: Is there anything about the jets both offensively or defensively specifically? I know you said that you respect the jets defense, but anything on either of those two units that especially scare you as a dolphin's fan?
1: Oh, absolutely. The interior of the of the jets defensive line is is a problem, and you know I'm not for for hurrying up you know, hurrying guys back into the lineup just because it's a Black Friday game and everybody's going to watch it and it's a rivalry game. But Robert Hunt is absolutely essential and he would make me feel a lot better about the prospects of this offense moving up and down the field against the Jets if he were available. So that's where the danger is, where Quinn and Williams can, can take over this game by just beating up our interior offensive line, which is just not very good when we don't have our guys in there. So... You know, I think that's where the fear is. And then, of course, like I said, if we're not employing our running backs in the passing game and we're not occupying those linebackers, the field begins to get condensed, and then it just becomes a complete slog against your defense. But I, I would expect Miami has, has, has had enough problems the last couple of weeks with turnovers that they might be even a little bit more conservative as far as on the offense because you just don't want to – Uh, risk anything against a Tim Boyle-led Jets team. So if you don't make mistakes, it should be harder for this Jets team to score on your defense, which is, again, completely healthy going into this game. As far as on offense, who scares me? uh, Brees Hall, absolutely. Uh, Garrett Wilson is an absolute stud, but he needs a quarterback to get it to him. And and I tend to trust Jalen Ramsey and and Xavier Howard uh, against Garrett Wilson in this regard. But uh, Brees Hall. Uh, you know, if we are going to go out there with a light box, like we have all year, can he break tackles in the box? And, it can, and if he does break tackles, then he could keep the jets on schedule. And if the jets are on schedule, they're in the game because I do believe that the jets defense will, you know, they, they won't get run off the, off the field. I think the jets defense will be competitive in this game for all 60 minutes. I just, you know, it's not that I have a la- a lack of respect for the jets offense. It's just, you know, Tim Boyle, in my opinion, you know, just cannot, he can't keep up with even a mediocre Miami offense.
3: Alf Artiaga, co-host of the Three Yards Per Carry podcast. Thanks so much for coming back on the show and breaking down the Dolphins on this Know Your Foe edition as we get ready for the Black Friday matchup here on this Thanksgiving. Really appreciate you coming on, Alf. For those that want to check out everything you're doing at Three Yards Per Carry, follow you on social media. Where are they going to find at Three Yards Per Carry, and how can they follow you?
1: Uh, you could go on our Twitter account. Uh, it's the number three yards per carry. You want to listen to our podcast? You can get us anywhere you get your podcast. It's also the number three yards per carry. Just type that into Google. We come out.
3: Make sure you check out everything Alf is doing at 3 yards per carry. Follow him on Twitter. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome all-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already, youtube.com slash Jet. Visit our store, That's teepublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, That's teepublic.com. That's tee And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing it doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and playlikeajet.com.